0: one through six it sounds like a lot but it's not remember now the bible when it was initially written was not arranged by chapters that was added by man afterwards to give us a point of reference and so i don't want to break up the entire storyline of jesus i want to keep it in its proper context somebody say proper context so let me read this as you read from the screen what the bible says the bible says on one sabbath jesus was going through the what everybody The grain fields, it's on the screen, as his disciples, as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And he, has anybody ever said that to you before? And he answered, and he answered, have you never read again? When there are issues of of principle, when people are trying to figure out what God is saying, notice Jesus. He all. What have you read? I don't want to hear no tradition. What did the Bible say? He refers to Scripture. How many know that He is the Word? He refers to Himself. Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need in the days of? Abiathatar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate consecrated bread. Brothers and sisters, this is the equivalent of a pastor uh, going to get some communion bread and eating it. I'm going to read it again because I want to talk today about a, 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 a traditional mindset that we uh, have that is plaguing the, the body of Christ that is not biblical notice, notice, notice what Jesus said they're saying hey man your disciples are breaking the Sabbath no, no, notice his response his response is this have you never read what David did David was not a priest the Bible says that David when he and his companions were hungry they did not go to the they went to the closest place they could find and it, was, it happened to be the temple and the Bible says they ate the consecrated bread the Bible says, which is lawful, only for who? Uh, nobody reading today? Only, is it not on the screen? Only for the who, everybody? The priest to eat. And and he, he wasn't the only one that ate it, the Bible says. He also gave some to his companions. Then, verse 27, he said to them, this is, this is, this is crucial here. The Sabbath was made for man not man for the sabbath so then the son of man is what everybody is lord even of the sabbath in other words the sabbath doesn't tell me what to do that's what that's what jesus is saying i tell it what to do because i'm lord of it if you want to understand The principles of law keeping, he said, look to me, my laws don't tell me what to do, I am the law. And I'm Lord of the Sabbath. And verse 1 of chapter 3, another time, another time, let's say next Sabbath, the next Sabbath. uh, He went into the synagogue, here he goes again, for those who've been following the series, every time Jesus shows up in church, uh, the church folk get mad and and the sinners get happy. Another time he went into the synagogue, a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. That's why they came to church, to accuse. So they watched him closely (laughs) to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everybody. Jesus clearly did not take any classes in conflict resolution. He was not trying to defuse the situation. He was not trying to deal with this later. He said, oh, no, y'all want a confrontation? Stand up. Get up in front of everybody. The Bible says, then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they remained silent. They had nothing to to respond in that matter. And then the Bible says he looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the Bible says he stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. The Bible says then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. I want to teach on the subject today withered hands and calloused hearts. Let us pray. Dear Jesus, uh, difficult for me to get into this subject today without the presence of the Holy Spirit. I believe after 40 days now, Father, that your presence is with us. We have We have committed ourselves to seeking first the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit, Father, is indispensable to this moment because it is at this moment that decisions will be made for life or death. I ask your help now. I need your help now. I desperately ask you to help me in my weakness, that the word of God would lift up Christ and him crucified is my prayer in Jesus name. And everyone said amen and amen. As you have your Bibles nearby, I want to, uh, oh, well, let me just take this off. I'm sorry. I know this is week two in a row, but uh, y'all forgive me. I feel a little uncomfortable. Somebody said they thought I looked nice today. I said, well, you know, at least one, 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 one Sabbath out of a month. Come on, say amen. Uh, the context of this passage is, as we've seen before, Jesus is starting to bump heads with the church. One of the things that I I am coming to realize as I'm studying the Gospels and reading about Jesus is that, watch this now, that I believe if Jesus were to come today in 2010, I believe, oh, 2000, Where are we, 11 now? 2011. Is it 2011? If he were to come in 2011... 12, 13, 10, 9, 8, 70 years ago. I really believe that Jesus would run into conflict with the church again. I personally believe that most of us would not follow Jesus if Jesus came. The Bible teaches us that when Jesus came the first time, most people did not follow him. The only reason why most people follow Jesus is because of what he could give them. The crowds surrounded Jesus for blessings. The crowds harassed Jesus for miracles. The crowds uh, uh, could give g- could g- gave Jesus no space because they did not want the kingdom of God. They wanted the blessings of God. And, and I, I'm, I'm driven to really give this consideration today because I'm asking myself as I'm reading this text, am I really, are we really following Jesus? Are we really following the word of God or are we like the Pharisees where we are so uh, inundated with tradition? So inundated with what we heard somebody say we're supposed to do. So inundated of what we think church should be like that we really have totally lost sight of what God intended. Let me break down the psychology of a Pharisee. Most of us feel like we're not Pharisees and that we would not be Pharisees. A lot of us like to assume that if Jesus uh, were here today, that we'd be one of the 12 disciples, that we'd be some of the folk that actually supported his ministry. But let me share something to you about the Pharisees. You know, I've been trying to figure out why is it, Father, that when you share with people new revelation from Scripture, they are so resistant to the plain, thus saith the Lord, but will go with tradition all day long. And it hit me. See, the Pharisees based their whole life on oral tradition. Somebody say oral tradition. In other words, everything the Pharisees had been taught, they were taught, follow these now, they were taught from somebody else. Watch this. Watch this now. So when they were defending their position, when Jesus shook things up and started healing lepers, when Jesus started hanging with with people of a bad reputation, it went totally against everything they had been taught. Somebody's going to get free today because a lot of you have a misinformed concept about what God really requires. And you've been under bondage for 30, 40, 20 years. Some of you, all your life, you've been under religious bondage and you've suffered religious abuse. There's not just sexual abuse. There's not just emotional abuse. Do you realize there's what is called religious abuse? Where people are, where people use church and religion and the word of God, that's one of the reasons why so many people leave the church. That's why Glenville's membership is is like five or six hundred actively and thirteen hundred on the road. That's why I run into people all the time out here in Cleveland who say, hey, you're my pastor. I go to Glenville. Well, where have you been? There's a reason why. Well, the Bible says that if we lift up Christ, he will draw all men unto himself. I'm saying to myself, there is something broken about the church and only Christ can fix it. Well, here's the issue. If you reveal truth to a Pharisee, a Pharisee will stand so hard on his position. Let me tell you why. Because a personality gave it to him. And so when he's defending his position. Y'all better follow this now. He's really not defending the theology of it. He's defending the person that gave it to him. For example. We, we came in church and we were, we were, we were brought up to understand. That, that the church. This building is a church. And one of the things you've discovered since I've been here. Is I have talked vehemently against that. That this building is no more holy than you are. You are holier than this building. For the Bible says that you are the temples of the Holy Spirit. But where did this come from? Somebody told you that. Some preacher. Well-meaning preacher. Some evangelist. Well-meaning evangelist. But watch this now. So when, when pastor comes along and says there's nothing wrong with drums... When pastor comes along and says that we ought not, we ought not, we not elevate this building above people, it sounds strange to people because they somebody told them differently. And when I say that to them, it's like a it's like a rebuke to the person that told them. In other words, it's almost like Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, Whoever told you that is a liar. But let me just free somebody right now. Just because somebody gave you something and they're a well-meaning person, they're a well-meaning pastor. My parents have shared some things with me over the years. And as they have grown up in the Lord, they have had to, they've had to recalibrate their philosophy. People are not perfect. You need to be free right now that some of the traditions that you have been taught about church, some of the things that have been ingrained in you, that they're not necessarily a thus saith the Lord, but some well-meaning person told you this, and they told you the best they know. But as you're growing in Christ, as you're growing in relationship with Him, it is your responsibility not to hold on to what somebody told you, but to know what God said for yourself. Did did, did that just make sense? What I just explained was so crucial there. So that when you hear things that go against everything you've been taught, you react to it and say, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that because you think there's an attack against the person that told you. There's some well-meaning people in the church. How many know I'm telling the truth? Some Some of you are still operating under your grandma's religion. Some of you are still operating on what your father told you. Some of you are still operating on what C.D. Brooks told you. Some of you are still operating on what Jack Morris told you. Oh, I can't get nobody to talk to me in here. Some of you are operating on what some elder told you. Know that there's no problem with them telling you, but at the end of the day, you have got to know and have a relationship with God for yourself. I hope that's going to free somebody today. And, and if you decide to go with the conviction of the word of God over what you were initially revealed, it is not disrespectful to the person that told you. So this is, it came to me. You know why the Pharisees were so against Jesus? Because he was not one of them. And they're like, who is this young cat? He ain't been in ministry but one year. (laughs) He's not ordained, he's not been to the school of the prophets. Who is this guy? And he's coming in here healing folk. He's coming in here changing the tradition of the elders. He's got no experience. He's from Nazareth. And we heard how he was born. He says that he was born of the spirit, but you can't feed me that garbage. This is what they're saying. I know that when he was born, his daddy was not married to his mama. See, these are the things that are circulating through their minds. Watch this now. It's an issue of trust and relationship. Your theology, somebody say my theology, how you view God, somebody say how I view God. Is generally based upon a relationship with a human or a relationship with God. And spiritual maturity, hallelujah, moves you away from relationship with what somebody told you and moves you to relationship for what you know for yourself. And there are so many of us that are holding on to the old way, or to the traditional way, or to the pain. Or holding on to some concept of God. But my question to you today is, when you are revealed by the Lord, when you see something different from Scripture, what will the Holy Spirit ask you to do? I'm paying dearly right now for listening to my father. He told me, when you go down to Oakwood... You need to break up with your girlfriend. At that time, it was Shanae. Church, amen. amen. This is actually supposed to be a humorous story. Y'all are like on Edge right now. Watch this now. I didn't know any better because I was young. All right? So, I listened, And in the end... This is just for illustrative purposes. God worked everything out. But I was dating Sinead at Pine Forge. And my dad, in his conventional wisdom, said, man, don't go down to Oakwood with no girlfriend. I mean, Sinead is fine and everything. No disrespect to her, but, man, you don't want to go down there all tied up like that so young. That's good advice. But my wife right now, especially when I tell people about, you know, some people will come to me and they'll say, how did you and Sinead get together? My wife will look at me like this. Okay, what you going to (laughs) say? I want to hear this. So 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 I made that decision and I paid dearly for it And, and many bad relationships. And God ended up bringing me back full circle. Come on, somebody to who I initially should have been with in the first place. But here's the issue I want you to see, because and sometimes you have to learn through experience. Because when you are immature, you are, you are subject and you are at the will of those that know more than you. Now, watch this. Sometimes the people that know more than you, they know more, but everything they know may not be exactly right. That's right. That's right. But God does not, he does not judge you because you follow what somebody told you when you're in spiritual immaturity. So the Pharisees were not so bad because they listened to the tradition of the elders. As a matter of fact, anytime a Pharisee would get up to speak, the first thing he would say is, Rabbi so-and-so said this. So that when Jesus came, the first thing that comes out of his mouth is, thus saith the Lord. And they said, hold on now, this guy has no point of reference. He's not been to any schools. He has no connection with anybody. But notice now, they were in spiritual immaturity. So the only thing they could go with is what somebody told them. But when the truth comes, when the Spirit reveals what thus saith the Lord is, when He removes the scales from your eyes, you are now accountable to walk in what God said. I'm a fourth-generation Seventh-day Adventist, and there used to be a time I thought that I could get in just based on the merits of who my family was. My dad is a preacher. My mom worked for the General Conference. I got I got folk who are all involved in the heaven system. But how many know today that your relationship with Jesus Christ is the only thing that can give you entrance into his glory? You cannot have a relationship with God that is based on what you heard. You gotta know him for yourself. Well, see, the issue with Jesus here is presented disguised in the Sabbath. And how many of us know in here that the Sabbath has been used over the years as a whipping stick? It wasn't until I got older and started working that I actually appreciated the Sabbath because I could get time off. But there are many of you who grew up in homes. There are many of you who, who, who had the experiences of life where, 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 where Christianity and religion and Adventism or wherever you're from, Pentecostal, whatever, it was, it was such a negative viewpoint. It was always about what you couldn't do. It was always about where you couldn't go. It was always about what you couldn't eat. It was always about what you couldn't say. It was always about what you can't do. And the truth of the matter is, brothers and sisters, that thing drives people away. And the goal of the enemy... The goal of the enemy is to try to paint God in two ways. I'm getting to the text. Let me just lay this thing out. Number one, he wants to paint him as a tyrant. What do I mean by that? He wants to make God look mean. He wants to make God look like he's watching everything you do so that when you do wrong, he can deal with you. There are some of you right now who are dealing with consequences of things you've done and you actually think that you're being punished by God. I got news for you, honey. Ain't nobody in here being punished by God. If you were punished by God, then you never would have been. But because of religious abuse because we held on too long to the umbilical cord and never were set free to grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and maturity in him, many of us are so calloused in our hearts, we are so wayward in our thinking that if Jesus were to come here today, we wouldn't be like, who are you? Anybody know what I'm talking about in here? Can we just talk about this thing today? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You see God as a tyrant. You're afraid of God. I remember the first time I went to the movies. You all right, Myron? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Look, I'm not here to preach a sermon about movie going. I'm just telling you, sometimes we have been fed a certain perception about who God is. And let me just tell you, God is not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. He's not waiting to get you. He's trying to save you. His mercy endures forever. When I'm at my worst, He's at His best. When I'm lying, He's the truth. When I'm an adulterer, He is faithful. When I steal, He gives. When I murder, He is life. And when I break the Sabbath, He is my rest. Hear me now. Our God is a God that looks to save. He's looking to pull you up, not bring you down. But we have a whole generation... We have a whole generation of people who are bound by false doctrine. They are bound by tradition. They are bound by what somebody told them. But I'm telling you, because I stand here free today, when you know him for yourself. And so, the Pharisees now, all 6,000 of them, have converged On everything Jesus is doing. Can I have a little fun with this? I love, I love to tell a Bible story. And so now Jesus has offended them by who he hangs with. He has offended them by who he has called as his disciples. He has offended them by eating and drinking with sinners. He has offended them by healing lepers. Everything the church said is wrong. Jesus now comes and says it's right. And the church... Cannot get in agreement with Jesus. So one day Jesus and his disciples are coming back from the synagogue. They have ministered. Jesus has preached on the power of the anointing of God. And the disciples now have had spiritual food. And now they want physical food. According to the law, it was not stealing to take uh, someone's grain or wheat or pick from uh, someone's uh, farm. It was there was no penalty of that. As a matter of fact, the law actually provided that those that were passing through someone's field, they could they could at will take what they wanted. As long as they did not bring out a sickle. Come on here, somebody. Now y'all know y'all know how some of y'all are. I mean, you see that rule, and, and you go to somebody's house for potluck, and, and you bring in Tupperware over there. <laughs> You you, you got you got you got your plastic. Where did you bring into somebody's house to take home leftovers? No, 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 no. That's not what God is. God is saying if it it just so happens to be that there is leftovers and they have a place, then you take some. And so they were free to do that. And so notice now the disciples are picking wheat and and in order to pick wheat, you have to separate wheat from chaff and and you rub it in your hands and, and you pop it in your mouth. And so the disciples are doing that. They're, they're just picking wheat and they're eating. And and, and and all the while, you have to see now these this the the, the wheat raises up to about three and sometimes to five feet high. So they have to actually create a path in the wheat. But while they're creating a path, again where they're going, the brothers are hungry on the Sabbath day. Now, all the while <laughs> the Pharisees have set up what we would like to call Jesus surveillance. The Bible actually says they were spying. I think I think I think I think they're going down. Yeah, do you see him? Yeah, I see him. You got hey, you do you got an eye on him? Yes, he's twelve o'clock. What's he doing? Uh hold on now. Hey Amen. These guys breaking the Sabbath. Oh, yeah? Let's pull up on him. And so Jesus and them minding their own business, and all of a sudden these guys just jump out of the bushes. Uh, Hello, Jesus. Don't mean to interrupt your journey, just a little concerned today. Been making a note of your practices. And we take much umbrage with them. We are challenged by some of the positions that you have taken recently. But today you have gone too far. (laughs) The only thing that distinguishes a Jew from anybody else really is the keeping of the Sabbath. And you, who claim to be a great spiritual leader, are allowing these peasants that you call your disciples... To harvest and thresh wheat on the Sabbath. Jesus, you've gone too far. Jesus is not afraid of conflict. You don't ever see Jesus backing down. He didn't take any of these conflict resolution classes I took. The Bible says that Jesus is not at all overwhelmed by Their presentation. His first statement to them is. Have you ever read. Listen. I'm amazed. When somebody who was locked in tradition. And the minute you appeal to scripture. It's almost like you are talking to them. Another language. Have you read. What David did. The word of God says that David and his boys were hungry because they were running for their lives and they went in the holy place and took the sacred bread. I'm trying not to go here on a particular area. But in many ways, we as believers are more Catholic than we realize. Some of the traditions and things that we do as a body of believers, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to call anything out because I don't want anybody to feel like I'm calling them out or insulting what they have been taught. But I ask you to compare our practices with Scripture. Some of the things we do—where do they come from? Have they come from a clear verse of the Lord? And so here you go. These guys are standing there trying to tell Jesus how to keep the law that he created. And then he makes this bold claim about the Sabbath. Incidentally, when Jesus dealt with the Sabbath, he never asked if or when the Sabbath was. His simple statement was, is that, hey, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Amen? Amen? In other words, notice this now. This text is really not about the Sabbath. This text is really about how we relate to the law of God. When when my ear gets sweaty, this thing just pops off. Let's, Let's work with that. Notice now, he says the Sabbath is not something that we serve. But the Sabbath was created to serve us. Let's go back to the book of Genesis. The Bible says when God created the heavens and the earth, for six days he was creating. And he created man before the Sabbath. He gave man the Sabbath. Come on in here, somebody. After he was created. Which is to suggest that the Sabbath was given to be a blessing to man. But I got to ask you a question. Why is it that the Sabbath over the years has been anything but a blessing? Our children dread the day that it comes. And many of us are still trying to do what we were doing all week long on the Sabbath because we don't understand the purpose of God's holy day. So then Jesus says, I need to show them how this works. Take a note of this. The word of God says that on the next Sabbath, they, they couldn't fool with him no more. Them guys got together and they said, we're going to figure out how to get this dude. We're going to get him. So they said, we got it. Now, it didn't occur to me, take out your Bibles, until I looked through the text what these guys actually, what lengths they went to to try to challenge Jesus. Here Jesus is exploiting them with scripture, showing them the right way to go, but their pride... It wasn't about truth anymore. Jesus was making them look bad. And they had to save face. And I I see it so many times. Some of us feel like we got to save face. Hey, I'm supposed to know this. But sometimes it's all right if you don't. Especially when you don't know for yourself. So watch it. Bible says Jesus at the synagogue. And they they know how Jesus rose. So this time, they try to set Jesus up. Notice, look at the text there in Mark 2. The Bible says, uh, uh, look at verse 3, verse 1. The Bible says, uh, Mark 3 in verse 1. The Bible says, another time he went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. All right, you follow that? Now look at verse 2, watch this. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So, so, watch this. so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. So I told you before, the Pharisees now have galvanized a straight up secret agency where they're watching everything Jesus does. And they're trying to trap him and set him up. So you know what they did in this text? They actually found a man with a withered hand and put him in the church in order to test to see what Jesus was going to do. Many of you are getting used by the enemy. The enemy is using your pain. He's using your mistakes. He's using your weakness. He's using your past against you to try to set you up so that Jesus will reject you. But the, oh, thank you, Jesus. But what the enemy meant for bad. God meant for good. And anytime the enemy tells you about what you're not, tells you about what you cannot do, tells you about what you cannot accomplish, tells you about how wicked you are and how messed up with you are and how nasty you are and how how much of a reject you are and how you're abandoned and you are a sinner, the Bible says Jesus declares where sin abounds. Grace doth much more abound. It's the same thing they did with a woman caught in adultery. They set them up. I can imagine that they paid this withered man, uh, this, this man with the withered hand a little something. Listen, we need your help today. Just bring your little withered hand self up, shut your mouth and sit in the church. So watch this now. Instead of the church seeking to be a blessing to people, they're actually using people. There's some of us who use our own children. In order to save face and to look spiritual, we make our children do stuff that we know we don't make them do at home. So that when they're in public, you really chastise them. Because not so much because you love them and you're trying to, and you're trying to develop them and grow them, but you're embarrassed. So because you they embarrass you, you're going to now embarrass them. And that's not the way of our Lord. Our reputation is on the line. I can't go down like this. I can't look back. But Jesus is trying to annihilate our pride. Pride cometh before destruction. Now it's interesting to note that this withered hand, I looked that thing up and the, you know, the Greek word there for, really means dried up. So that he got to a point where atrophy set in and there was no circulation. Somebody say circulation. There was no circulation going to his hand. And I said, there's got to be something there, Father. uh, If you look in Luke, Luke actually says it's his right hand. Everywhere you study throughout scripture, the right hand is always the hand of purpose. It is the hand of work. When, When God describes himself, he says, I will save them with my outstretched right hand the right hand automatically sends the signal to us as we look at this in the spirit realm that, that this man was suffering from more than a messed up hand. He was suffering from a lack of purpose. He felt a lack of value because his right hand was injured. He could not work because his right hand was injured. He could not worship because his right hand was injured. He felt he had no value. And many of us have been plagued by sins in the church. And people do not see our value. They only see what they can get out of us. But I want you to I want you to be blessed today and know that your father will not use you. Your father will not abuse you. Your father will not mistreat you. But he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. As vile as you are. As wicked as you are. As messed up as you are. As inconsistent as you are. As unfaithful as you are. My love never stops. My mercies are new every morning. And no matter what you've done or what you're caught up in, I have power. So check this. Instead of the church seeking to be merciful. Oh, please. I'm almost done. I said, Lord, I had to repent when I, after I was reading this text. I said, that's me. The Bible says the Pharisees. Come to church, looking for everything except Jesus. They're watching people. They're looking at they watch. They're trying to figure out if we follow protocol, if we didn't. They're trying to see what somebody's wearing. They're trying to see who came. They're trying to see why they came. Trying, and look, notice now, you know you're a Pharisee when you come here and when you're involved in the fellowship of believers and the only thing you can see is other people instead of yourself. Come on in here, somebody. Come on in here, somebody. Come on, is that real or what? Come on, talk to me in here. See, we're not overt with our stuff. We try to be spiritual with it. Well, girl, we know we need to pray. We need to pray. What? what what's, what's going on, girl? Well, you know, Paulette. We just need to pray. No, go ahead, tell me, girl. Well, you know, I. The spirit is leading me to just go ahead and say this, but she know she ain't right for sitting where she sits. I noticed that she crosses her legs a certain way and and, and i think I think I, I I just can't say it what what i just I just want to do the lord's will you know, I just want to serve him, you know, I'm not trying to cause any trouble. Uh, and who cares what said is afterwards? They've already created an environment of accusation and criticism, and where the spirit of criticism and accusation and fault finding and trying to see what's not right with the church exists, you know, quoting Ellen White, that you have no more the spirit of Satan. The Bible says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. Hear me in here now. Not, I'm, Pastor Edmonds is not trying to make us loose and liberal, but I am trying to make us loose and liberal with grace. For the Bible says if there's sin, then grace ought to cover it. The Bible says that we ought to give mercy and not sacrifice. Let me wrap it up. So watch this now. These brothers are so bent on trying to be church patrol. The the spiritual CIA. (laughs) The religious FBI. Now watch this now. This blew me away. Notice in the text that the man... Never asks to be healed. One of the things I, I recognize about when legalism, you know what I mean by legalism? Legalism is when you always focus on the rule and you ignore relationship. One of the things Jesus is teaching us in this text is that the in, true interpretation of the law is to put people's needs first before the rule. Some of us so paranoid. I remember there have been times where you know, we had relatives. and uh, Well, we all got relatives, right? When well, we had some cousins in D.C. And they were not, they didn't believe as we believed. And every year, they would have a family reunion on Saturday. <laughs> Somebody say, well. <laughs> y'all, y'all already know. And I remember my parents struggled with that thing. Now now, now now mind you, this is a family that we had not been connected to really. And, and there were many possibilities that God was trying to establish in this family. Oh, pray church. Pray church. We initially would not go because it was on the Sabbath and it was not in keeping with our idea of the Sabbath. And for some of you right now, like me, I'm telling you, when Jesus made this statement, for the son of man, is uh, 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 Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath, that shook me. I heard it all my life. I, know, I think I know what it means, but now that I know what it really means, I'm like, man, I've not been taught that before. I'm not taught to put people before policy. I'm not taught to put, to put relationship before rules. And nobody told me that's how you actually fulfill the law. Romans 13 says, the fulfillment of the law is love. I saw the strangest thing the other day. This thing of legalism. Y'all explain this to me. I, I live in a neighborhood full of Jews. No disrespect. But the Jews pride themselves on a faithful keeping of the law and the commandments. As a matter of fact, like the Pharisees, they have created 39, 39 additional categories for Sabbath keeping. In addition to their 3,000 laws that they added to the commandments. They pride themselves on this. They believe that law keeping will save them. So I'm checking this guy out. He's got the, the curls. He's got the beard. He's got the hat. He's coming out of the synagogue, and he pops a cigarette in his mouth. Now I'm like, you won't eat shrimp. You won't eat things that are not kosher or parv. You won't eat that, but, you'll, but it's lawful to smoke a cigarette? Has anybody ever seen that before, and it just messed you up? you try to figure out sign the synagogue notice that we're not talking about grace and understand where people are I'm just telling you we when we when we are the ones that are the architects of the rules there always is a hole in it so you tell your kids don't go to the movies and then you bring the movies in your house <laughs> or you watch television listen if you're gonna do this thing clean out all the media And so when we create a rule that we have interpreted from scripture, we always run into problems. And then your kids get older and they start asking you, why? Because I said so. Because Ellen White said so. And y'all know in here that I believe in the prophets of the remnant church. I got some quotes in here that I'm gonna share with you in a minute. That's gonna rock your sock. But we gotta stop using the Bible and church and religion as a whipping stick to control people. Grace is what we need, mercy is what he desires. Love is what changes the heart. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within. Way all that in here, seeking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me. Yeah. Love lifted me. But we want to control people. I've seen it all. There were some members in the church, a friend of mine down south, and somebody told them that when you pray, you should not just kneel, but you should lay prostrate every time. So the pastor, when he would come in the church on Sabbath, when the choir would sing, no lie, the choir would sing on their knees. When it's time for him to do intercessory prayer, he's stepping over people. And you say, So, where did that come from? I've been to places where people still cover their heads during prayer time or what. Where did you get that from? Who told you this? And some of us are bound by these rules to do, and, and the minute we don't do it, we feel like all of hell is gonna come after us. So, here's the point I was making about this guy. Let's assume that he, th- th- this is the Pharisees' church, right? The Bible says they have the form of godliness, but no power. That's another way you can tell a legalistic church, because they do all the rules. They keep all the regulations. They know all the standards. But guess what? There is wickedness and sin and people are bound all over this church. How I know? Because I'm the pastor. I know there are people in this church who are bound by the enemy. They've been in this church all their lives. They can't stop drinking. They can't stop smoking. They can't get the victory over fornication. They keep on lying. They're still full of hatred and anger. Something's wrong. What we've been doing has not been working because it's not Jesus, it's not grace, it's not mercy. We're so afraid that people are going to pollute the church that we've forgotten how people actually get delivered. You pollute the church. I pollute the church. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But we serve a God that loves us in spite of our wretched (laughs) selves. This blew my mind about this cat. He didn't ask to be healed. You know why? Because when you grow up in legalism, you just assume that you're always going to stay the way you are. So your best bet is to dress right. Your best bet is to know the prophecies. Your best bet. One of the things I found out when I was at Oakwood, I used to run into a lot of religious nuts. And a lot of them were preachers. A lot of them were preachers. And I remember one guy, he he felt like there was so much sin on the campus, he decided he was going to sit in sackcloth and ashes. He shaved all of his hair. All of it. All of it. He put dirt on, sackcloth and ashes and he sat in the middle of the campus decrying the, the wickedness of the campus. And I'm going to tell you right now, you ain't going to reach no college students like that. But he had, to take, he had to take a stand. He had to make a point. Everybody was turning to wickedness. One so cat came up to me one day and said, I haven't sinned in a month. I said, Negro, you just sinned. Show lying self. Watch this now. One of the things I notice is when people double up, they're trying to cover up. When you double up, trying to cover up. When you're so worried about what people are going to think about my family, trying to cover it up. There was one particular gentleman I remember very, very, very clearly. Let me get ready to close here. This guy, hardliner, hardline preacher, hardline. He had been molesting his daughter for 20 years. Religious abuse, traditions. Some of you hold offices in this church right now. Because you're running from the truth. Some of you come to Sabbath school, you come to church, you come to prayer meeting, you're doubling up. Not because, not because of a love relationship with God, but because of the guilt and shame of the things that you have done. And you feel like if I double up, I'll cover up. Brothers and sisters, there's only one way to be covered. What can wash away my sins? And nothing but the blood of Jesus. Some of us have moved. We, we, we are so in running away from our mess. We think if I relocate, if I remarry, if I read this, if I read that, if I get a degree, if I, if I, if I become a teacher, and, and you're using your life as a covering act for the pain that is within. But I got news to you today. You don't have to do that. All you have to do is reach your hands towards heaven and say, Lord, I surrender. Come into my life. Deliver me. Brothers and sisters, I believe that we serve a God of deliverance. Oh, hear me now. I believe we serve a God of deliverance. I stand here today. I stand here today. When I was watching Raymond's video, Dwayne and I couldn't stop crying up here. I see all that the Lord has allowed him to go through. I never had cancer. I never been sick. Lord has blessed me. Everything I prayed for, he's given me. There's never been a time I have asked for his grace he has not shown up. And I couldn't help but think back to how I've treated God. I couldn't think back, help but think back of how I've complained about my little life. And when I looked at Raymond, I said, this brother never complains. I never heard him say a negative word. Brothers and sisters, it is because of grace. God has been so good to us. Some of you need to be free. Some of you have been avoiding church. You've been avoiding church people. You've just been trying to avoid because you're trying to cover up. You're trying to hide the pain. But hear me now. If the son shall set you free. Oh, I'm just going to go where the spirit leads me today. Some of you are dealing with Unforgiveness. And hurt. You've been abused. You've been rejected. You made a mistake. You got divorced and they treated you like trash. You got pregnant and they ran you out. Somebody died in your family and nobody from the church came by to see you. Let me tell you something. That's not Jesus. We in here will mess up. We in here, we will fail. We will make mistakes, but your Lord will not leave you. Does anybody know what I'm talking about in here today? But we have lost sight of God's grace. Some of us are so riddled with guilt. Some of you just said, screw it i'm just going to do whatever i want because i can't measure up i just can't do it i can't put up the facade i can't keep the rules every time i try i fail i can't stop sinning i can't stop smoking i can't stop drinking there's just something in me that just keeps it i can't hear it calls me i just can't and so what they do is they just say forget it Oh, and I see my father right now with tears in his eyes I see my Jesus right now saying the enemy he has gotten to their heads that's not who I am that's not who I am oh God today help the people to see who you really are <laughs> help us to see that you're not like the Pharisees you're not like our father was some of you had some hard mothers and some hard fathers Some of you had daddies who never said they loved you. Some of you had mamas that never did the same. Some of your parents, they were just hard on you all the time. Some of you are mad at God. But people will fail you. Sometimes people will make mistakes. Sometimes people do the best they can with what they know. But I'm going to tell you something right now. God has not forsaken you. So what does Jesus do? He heals him. He didn't even ask to be healed. That's righteousness by faith. He didn't deserve to be healed. He didn't even ask to be healed. But God extended his healing grace to him, not because he deserved it, but because God wanted to. so you had a man in a church who spent his whole life and every sabbath the lord's day he would come in and leave unhealed and all they would do was get up and rehearse the traditions all they would do is is just teach what they'd always been taught but brothers and sisters what church is about what sabbath is about it's about people getting free You know, as I was studying for this text, it amazed me. There's a lot of references to Jesus on the Sabbath. And you know what Jesus did the majority of on Sabbath? Heal people. Heal people. That's what he did. You know, we went to that family reunion. There we went. Because that family had always assumed that we were religious fanatics and we were bigots. They were having just a family event. Surely there was music there that we would not have appreciated. Surely they had a couple of beers. Come on in here, somebody. Does everybody got an uncle with that bring a forty somewhere. But the Lord is trying to teach us, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I desire you to build relationship with people. What is a better witness? For you to stay at home with your your nose up in the air or to go and be a blessing? One of the things that has been clear to me is we want everything to be black and white. But sometimes God wants you to figure it out with prayer and fasting. your head's about your eyes are closed I speak I speak to that person in here who's in church but you're not in Christ religion has turned you off the traditions the lack of love but the truth is now you're out there all on your own because you heard the truth today people will disappoint you but God will never fail you And his rules, his laws, his Sabbath is about delivering you. So, Father, first we want to repent. Wherever you are. Father, forgive us for misrepresenting you. Father, forgive us for ignoring truth and hanging on to traditions. Father, forgive us today for the guilt of the sins that we have committed. There's a father in here who had a child out of wedlock. He's been separated from his child. He wants to be in his child's life but because of situations and circumstances he was a young man. He made a mistake. He did not respond as he should have but even to this day he holds on to guilt. He holds on to guilt. Father I pray you release him right now in the name of Jesus. Release him. Help him to know that he is forgiven. Help them to know that the grace of God is sufficient. There's a mother in here. And you mishandled a situation with one of your children. It could have been your daughter. Could have been a son. And you think back and and you still hold on to the pain. And every time you see that person, you're reminded of your guilt. Be free in Jesus' name right now. Be free. Be free. Be free. Be free right now. Be free. There's a young lady that has committed multiple abortions under the sound of my voice multiple abortions and every time you see a baby your heart flutters within you, the guilt, the condemnation the enemy comes at you and you've been doing everything you can religious wise to try to cover up you've been doubling up to cover up but what you need to hear today is you are forgiven, you are forgiven the Lord receives you what's in the past is in the past he will take your sins and he'll put them in the deepest sea some of you have committed sin. I'm talking to somebody who committed sin in this church. Your business got out there. People knew what you had done and it was difficult for you to return. It's difficult for you to sit in the ear each week and you're on the fringes. But I got news for you right now. We don't have a heaven or hell to give you, but your father in heaven, he calls you his son, he calls you his daughter and he says, I will receive you. As a husband or a wife, and has made a decision in their marriage that has caused what seems to be imminent failure. And the enemy has told you, see, you messed up now. I got you now. All that stuff in the past. I'm throwing it in your face now. You're destroyed. It's over. It's ruined. But I declare today in the name of Jesus, I speak the words of Christ over your life. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord. What Jesus is telling you right now, just love me and I'll take care of your family. Just love me, I'll take care of your marriage. Love me, I'll take care of your children. Where sin abounds, grace stuff much more about. I want to appeal right now. Somebody needs to know that God loves them. That's all you need to hear. And I got this news for you. I love to say this God loves you just as much as He loves Jesus, His Son. Jesus loves you, God the Son, just as much as He loves His Father. wow thank you Jesus you are loved today God loves you who do you think has been there looking after you all this time who do you think it's been there that's been keeping you alive and keeping your mind sane and keeping you from giving up you almost wanted to end it all who was there Jesus and so I want to make an appeal today somebody today just needs to feel forgiven the rules, the regulations, your sins, your past, the Pharisees, the church have made you feel everything but a child of God. But you heard today that Jesus loves you in spite of. If that's you, I just want to invite you to stand and come down here and stand with this pastor. This pastor, this pastor who needs God's grace. This pastor who needs his mercy. I just feel that there is somebody in here today that just needs to sense the forgiveness of God just come out of your seat and say yes Lord yes Lord help me to get over this thing set me free from this thing set me free from this thing loose me from my past loose me from my mistakes loose me father therefore there's now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus you may not be able to come down but i just want you to stand up if you just if you just if you just need to know that you are forgiven